Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon, Illinois. This is the sermon for July 7th, 2019, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. The sermon is entitled, The Secret of Freedom, based on Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and 13 through 25. Again, our text for today's message is found in Galatians 5, and the first two verses are two of the three key verses. Verse 1 in particular, and then verse 13, and then later, verses 25-26. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then down verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, by keywords, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. And I'm going to ask you this. I usually ask a lot of questions in the sermon. Today, not, because this is the first time here. So I'm just asking one question today. I'm going to ask you what the one word is at the end of this, this verse. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as, and the key word, remember, is yourself. Dead giveaway. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the key verses, that was law, now you get the gospel. The other key, verse 22 and 23, actually, not 25, 26, like I said earlier, are the nine fruits of the Spirit. For the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And very succinctly later on, I'll share what those words in original Greek mean for our application today. Then finally, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Any movement towards freedom involves risk. There's always risk involved. The greater the freedom, the greater the possibility for snares to pop up along our journey in life and cause detours away from the freedom that we so much crave. Now, I want you to think about a young child, in particular a baby, and how they begin to be mobile. Think of a baby first moving it with its hands and arms, its, its, its neck and head, and then how they roll, maybe roll over, and turn, turn over. And then they begin to grab on the furniture and walk along the furniture. And then one day, the brain doesn't tell the hands to grab on the furniture, and they take those first couple steps without the furniture. Next thing you know, their walking turns into running, their running turns into riding a bicycle and then a tricycle, and then their hands out, Dad, may I please have the what? The car keys. You got it. See how fast mobility works? The illustration of child gaining increased freedom clearly indicates there's more of a danger in keeping the freedom than winning it. For example, riding a bicycle, you can hit things. Driving a car, you can not only hit other cars, but you can injure and even kill someone. Those who have, uh, our liberty affords us the possibility for self-destruction and destruction of others. Those who have never known liberty will fight hard to get freedom. 
But those of us who have always had freedom may not necessarily fight very much for freedom unless it is very seriously threatened. That's why the words of Benjamin Franklin are so important. When Benjamin Franklin was coming out of the convention, a federal convention, a woman hit him up with this question. She said, Doctor, what do we have? Do we have a monarch or a republic? And Ben Franklin could be gruffy at times, not just at times. He was gruffy a lot. He gruffly said, Madam, we have a republic if you can hold on to it. And that's where the rub is. Holding on to republic is the hard part, not getting it originally necessarily. So keeping freedom is hard because of all of the hazards involved with having it to begin with. It's so easy for freedom to deteriorate into irresponsibility or for liberty to become license. And what is license? License, in my era growing up in the 60s, was do your own thing, and I think that's still pretty much it. Do whatever you feel like doing it. So it isn't any wonder that freedom many times can boomerang. For example, there are many who leave home and do great, but there are some who leave home, and at the beginning at least, their life is a disaster. Bad habits, immorality, guilt, and shame. So freedom can be illusory and deceptive. Now, I'm going to date myself here, but I do that more often nowadays. Think back to those, especially those old black and white B-movies where you see somebody in a desert who's grasping the sand and has an, uh, what we call an imaginary image. You used to call it a mirage. A mirage is they, in their mind, see something that's not real. And they see a mirage that there's all of a sudden this great big oasis of water, and they're dying of thirst. Maybe they're really dying. They move a little further, and it's not real. It's only in their mind. So when Paul tells the Galatians, again, chapter 5, verse 1, for Christ's freedom has set us free, he quick to add, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, if Paul was writing to a group of Christians, a large group of Christians, who had backed away from their freedom and were once again following the rules of the Jewish faith. There were 613 of them, by the way. Now, what had happened was the Judaizers said, oh, first you've got to follow the rules and then you can believe in Jesus and follow him. Lots of law, and it's like the pastor saying the very last line of the sermon, only one line of gospel, and Jesus died for your sins. That would be the closest parallel I could think of right now. So they were told, and many of them unfortunately believed, that they had to back away from the gospel and follow all these rules and regulations. A woman once told me that, Pastor, you've got to get up from the lectern every time there's a voters meeting and tell people they've got to come to the voters meeting to be saved. And I thought to myself, whoa, now voters meetings are important, but no, 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 no. I tried my best to explain to her that wasn't it. She never, ever got it. And so um, <clears throat> finally one Sunday she made an announcement, if you want to be saved, come to the voters meeting. I thought, oh, no. And so I said, well, that's not true in my sermon later on. That would be a gross example of what I just said in today's ear of time. I'm not saying voters meetings are not important for all of you who are going to voters meetings. I'm just saying that doesn't save you. So laws, rules by itself, don't get you to salvation. So those who would cling, there are two ways they were doing it in the first century after Christ's resurrection ascension. Blind following the law. That voters being deal would be one blind way following the law. And then the extreme license. You know, do your own thing. There was no middle road. And I believe we're pretty much back there again today. I believe that very much. So Paul cautions against the, the license going, doing your own thing in verse 13 of Galatians 5. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But Paul knew that grace was going to be played off against legalism back then and today too. And he was right. Going back to the illustration of the child, 
I learned by raising a strong-willed child that one parent can very easily get played off against another parent. For example, I'm not going to get real specific here, but there can be one parent who's in one area soft and another area the other parent uh, has a very uh, strong rule. So the child, children are smart. They figure these things out quickly. So they, they, they play the one parent off against the other and they go to the one who's a softie to get their way. I learned this early in life. And the end result is that they will keep pushing what that so-called lie in the sand that's your rule and until it bends, until it finally breaks and you say no more. That would be the extreme case in this case. So Paul points out that only the person who serves Christ as Lord is free from the law. Those who do not submit to Christ will fall in that bondage of sin. They'll try to follow the laws and make those laws a rule for their lives all throughout life. After doing a very tough funeral for friends of my wife, members of my past church, who had committed suicide at a young age, uh, I was the last, my wife and I were the last ones to the funeral dinner in this long table, my least favorite design for, for a funeral dinner. Um, and so we were seated with all the young co-workers for this young man. I did not know them. Shortly after being seated, I got my sweaty palms with the question that I always dread, uh, the kind of question. A woman across from me said, Pastor, I've always been wanting to sit across from a pastor so I could ask him this question. I said, oh no. And she said, I want you to tell me how, how good my prayer life is. She wanted me to affirm her prayer life. So she holds up her hand for the first time she'd been hiding. She said she had five rings. She said, Pastor, I want to know if this is a good prayer life. First, every morning, I pray to Muhammad. She had a ring on her, her, her thumb finger. Then if he doesn't answer my prayer, I pray to Buddha. If he doesn't answer my prayer, I pray to Confucius. If he doesn't answer my prayer, I pray to Mary. And Mary, she had been a nominal Catholic, probably Christmas Easter worshiper. She used to be raised Catholic. And if he doesn't answer, last and least of all, she said, I pray to Jesus Christ. So I sent one of those arrow prayers, Lord, help me. (laughs) And immediately John 14, verse 6 came to mind. Thank you, God. And so I said, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I said, only through Jesus are your prayers answered, and all the others don't work. And she went like this. Hmm. So she wasn't happy with the answer, but the ways of works and trying to call on all the gods to cover your bases, just like those Judaizers say, cover your bases following all the rules, does not ever work. It's not very popular in our world today, especially in American society. Be tolerant of all religions, no matter what. So what I just said was from a uh, uh, secular, uh, pluralistic society's perspective, very intolerant. Martin Luther also made the point that every person serves God. And then he qualified that. The one true God or a false God of your making. And he said that over and over again. We all, at some time or another, probably had some false God of our own making. And then we have the freedom, there's that word again, to choose between the one true God and the false gods that we've created. And that will determine the path we follow, perhaps the rest of our life, or at least till God hopefully places someone, or most likely some ones in our life, to get us back on the path to eternal life, to follow Christ. So when we equate freedom with doing what we please, we wind up serving ourselves and our whimsical ways and desires. We wind up trusting our words rather than the word of God. And that happens a lot. In the road, we find ourselves in bondage to bad habits, selfishness, and sins that destroy who we are. We are created to serve God and our fellow man. 
It's that, that's simple to say, hard to do. When we don't live out that purpose, we bog down the worst kind of bondage possible, a bondage we cannot break away from, or a bondage that, of sins, of bad habit sins perhaps, that sink their claws deep in us. A number of years ago, I went to see Niagara Falls and the Roaring Falls. How many of you have seen the Niagara Falls? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. Matter of fact, most of you. Well, if you get a distance upstream from the falls, it becomes faint and distant, and the danger of the falls also becomes very uh, not imminent. It's not present. So a famous preacher, whom probably you don't know and I don't know either, but gave a great story, what I'll call a parable of the eagle uh, in a particular story of sitting above the Niagara Falls about this particular problem we have with, for, with bondage to sins in our laws. His name was Leslie Weatherhead. Sinful habits uh, are going to be made very clear. So in this true life story, there's an eagle sitting high on a pinnacle looking down Niagara Falls. And what does the eagle want most of all? Food, especially big packages. So he sees what he would, a big bird would feast on most, a giant frozen carcass of a bullock, totally intact and totally good to eat yet. Several miles from the falls, so the eagle says, hey, several miles from the falls, I'm free, I can flap my wings away at any time, I'll go down and eat. So he flies down, swoops down, puts his claws deep into that frozen carcass and feasts away. Several miles go by, and he gets close to fall, so he lifts up his wings, flaps them, and guess what? He is trapped. His claws have now become frozen in that carcass, and he can't get away. That's the same as sins, habits over a long time, putting their claws into us, so on our own, we can't get away. Some people today are deluded in thinking, freedom is doing whatever you please whenever you want, the American way, the American way. For the people of God, redeemed by the cross of Christ, freedom is always tied to loving and serving, loving your neighbor and serving your neighbor's needs in gratitude and response to the grace of God. That would be a theme thought for today's message, if you will. So the person who is truly free is the person who is found in Jesus Christ, released from anxiety about himself and his condition, freedom from allurements of evil and wickedness, freedom from the shackles of bad habits, sinful habits, and artificial supports. Such a person revels in the freedom of living for others in loving concern and service. That's what it should be all about. So Paul equates freedom in Christ with a lively and loving concern for our neighbor. And that comes back to that word I'm going to ask you in the key verses, a couple of key verses, 13 and 14 of chapter 5. Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as who? Yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, easy to say for me, the preacher, hard for us to carry out. When we really do act out of care and concern love for one another, guess what happens? Our cares and concerns anxieties about ourselves they don't disappear necessarily altogether, but they dissipate. So there's a far more concern about other people and far less concern about ourselves. Take somebody who has to care for a relative, maybe a parent, who is incapacitated for a long period of time. My mother cared for my grandfather, a German proud grandfather, ran a German restaurant for his lifetime for 18 years in that household, and it just about drove my my mother nuts. He every day told my father how, how bad a job he did as a father and husband and family the first week he was there. 
He was a very strong-willed German Lutheran. He lived in our house for 18 years, and our blended family took more than a couple years. I saw my mother praying every night for peace in the family. My dad never said a word, but I know what he was thinking, what he never said. And after a couple years, he didn't say any of those words anymore and became a blended part of family. A lot of patience, a lot of prayers for that to happen, though. It didn't happen overnight. So when we really do act out of care, concern, love, we become the opposite of our society, me generation, of always caring about ourselves and becoming so preoccupied with ourselves that we don't see the obvious concerns God's placed right in our side and right in front of us in people who are relatives, friends, family, and also the person's acquaintance or co-worker or classmate in front of us. From our wallets to our waistlines, from our complexion to our conquest, today we're too concerned about ourselves. And so the most inwardly unhappy people are those who are focused on their own needs, our own hopes and desires, and our own plans for the future. I call this tunnel vision where we don't see the needs of the people that God places right in front of us and our side that are obvious. I remember when my mother took care of my grandfather. I prayed too at nighttime when I was home and from college in the summertime. And I remember thinking to myself that this was a major challenge that may not work out. It did work out. My grandfather then became a co-worker in our family working together. He had 76 plants he brought in our house as his hobby in retirement. Our house became a tropical jungle. 76, I counted them one day. He said it's 76, like 1776. So he purposely had 76, he said. Gave him something to do. What the person who's free in Christ discovers is our Christian freedom ultimately relieves us of the anxieties we have about ourselves and other people. Our lives become primarily then a response to God's amazing grace, like the hymn, Amazing Grace. The works of the flesh are replaced by fruits of the Spirit, not because we work so hard to do them, because that isn't what God had in mind at all, but rather that they become us, or we become them, in response to the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So for a moment, let's focus on those fruits of the Spirit. What are they, and what do they mean? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, there's a cross here, and focusing on the cross, obviously, agape is that original word in Greek, which means sacrificial love. Jesus sacrifices life for our sins. We know that. What's that mean? That we go out, sacrifice our life for others who need our help, who may not be asking for it, but need our help, and we obviously can see that. So putting our, their, themselves before us means time, talent, treasure, and I think the most valuable commodity today for a long time is time. We'd rather serve ourselves with what we want to do. So whatever their needs are, to serve them and love them unconditionally, no strings attached. Joy is resurrection joy, like Easter Day joy. Every day I pray the Lord would make me a resurrect disciple to Walk with God. You're going to hear this later on when I take the offering back. Walk with God, talk with God, and listen to God. That's the theme for my ministry and life. Walk with God, talk with God in prayers, and listen to God in his word. So every day, he wants us to pray to be resurrect disciples, to love and serve other people. Peace is a hard one. It's not world peace. We're never going to have that. If you have a grudge or holding a sin against someone else, you do not have peace. Peace is being reconciled with other people and being reconciled with God. That's a tough one. So every day, probably, I shouldn't say every day, multiple times every day to pray for God's forgiveness, turn us away from sin back to God, and with the Holy Spirit's help. Catechism doesn't say that phrase, but I, I guarantee you that that has to happen. And then to be reconciled with other people, even talking to them, work things out, and, you then, and only then we have peace that God will give you. Patience, I don't personally have a lot of human patience, so I'm preaching myself here. <clears throat> 
Patience, waiting on God's will to unfold in your life. Waiting on God's will to unfold in your life. That's what the original Greek word means. And God's will doesn't happen when I pray for it. I can guarantee you that, that that's true for all of us. I get very unhappy at times with the Lord not answering my prayers right away. It's right before I absolutely need something, that, and sometimes it's pretty desperate that I get an answer. And that's patience. <clears throat> Pat- love, joy, peace, patience, kind actions, good acts, faithfulness is layered. I'll get back to that. Gentle actions, gentleness, and self-control at early life of your passions is different than later life. Later life is not just coming to church because it's what you're supposed to do as a Christian disciple of Christ. That's checking off the box. That's duty. Self-control means having a passionate love for God and your neighbor, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, will, and strength that's passionate still later life. That's what the devil works very hard later life to take away from us older Christians is our passionate love for Christ. Faithfulness I left for last because it's probably the, the... the most layered one. Faithfulness is faithful, faithful child of God. Faithful parent, spouse, and child. Faithful in family. Faithful servant. Faithful in ministries and mission work. Faithful in career. And on and on the list could go. I just have given you the beginning of the faithful list. And interestingly, Paul adds, against such things there is no law in verse 23. Final question, kind of like a game show used to be on TV who is your pilot? Who pilots your life? If I come back to preach here again, one thing I guarantee, you always have questions from me. Not always the answers. <laughs> but in the Bible, I'll give you the answers. But in real life, maybe not. You'll have to answer those questions yourself. Who is your pilot? There's a mariner, it's an old story, who went out to sea, to the ocean, and said, as a young mariner, I'm not going to follow the ways of my father's and those, those dusty, old, ancient, conventional, stuffy rules about navigation. I'm not going to follow the stars, not going to follow the charts, not going to follow the compass. I've been in a sailboat where a compass was very important with someone else. And eventually, he's going to follow that old proverb, he who will not heed the stars will heed the rocks if he gets in a storm or gets too far away from shore. He will not find a safe harbor. So there's only one person who can guide us to safe harbor. In this case, we're going to call that harbor heaven. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. Jesus can guide us away from those treacherous shores, at, at, well, dark shores of darkness of sin at night, away from them to keep us on the one true path down the middle and following him all the way to heaven. Jesus is the pilot who has set us free from fear, guilt, and dread, and pretty much anything else you can think of that you're afraid of, anxiety, and so on. Most important, he set us free from the illusion, the illusion that we are the center of our life. Christ is the center or should be the center of our life. Jesus has made us children of God and given us the power to become what we are, who we are created to be. And this is a key phrase to remember, people for others. What's that mean? People for others means people who love and serve others as Christ has unconditionally loved and served us. As we lovingly and compassionately care for and meet the needs of our neighbors with all those fruits of the Spirit flowing through us into other people's lives. This is the kind of freedom for which Christ has come to set us free. So in conclusion, keeping freedom is far more difficult than winning it. Always will be. Because of the very hazards involved in having it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Galatians 5 verse 1. And the real freedom we have is in choosing between the one true God and all those false gods we come up with on our own. Freedom is always tied to loving our neighbor and serving our neighbor's needs 
in response to and gratitude to the grace of God. Our lives become primarily a response to God's amazing grace. Works of the flesh are replaced with fruits of the Spirit because that's the kind of people we become when we live in response to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From our lives flow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clipping the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.